Happy Tuesday morning, everybody. I'm Matt Scalisi, and I'm joined by my co-hosts here on First Down South, John Talty and Matt Zinn. It's two of the best reporters covering the SEC today, and it's uh, it's time to take a look back at spring practice. We, we, we got something much more closely resembling a, a normal year's spring practice this year than what we saw a year ago, um, and including... Uh, down in Tuscaloosa, where there was a pretty sizable crowd, about about half capacity from what we normally see. Um, you know, it, it felt pretty close to what like a normal spring football game would feel like. Matt, I mean, you you were down there. What what was the vibe? Uh, actually, I was in uh, my living room watching. Oh, my bad. Sense the vibe from the the living room, even while juggling responsibilities and watching. You got the little one, yeah. World to, to go along with that. But it, it felt like, to confirm what you said, it, it felt like a, a normal spring game. And it feels like, not to uh, get too broad with what we're talking about here, but it just feels like more and more we're, we're working back closer to normalcy, including from a football perspective. Yeah, well, definitely good to see. And, and you know, I think also good to hear just normal football discussion. We're not, we're not hearing about guys missing from – from COVID-related stuff, we're not hearing about oh. opt-outs so far. I mean, <laughs> you, you shrug a little there, John. Yeah, I mean, well, we, I know there was a lot that, of guys out. There were some people that didn't participate uh, in Alabama's spring game, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. So, so, you know, look, we're getting there. We're getting back to, to something resembling normalcy for sure. And, um, you know, I, I think I think this is a good place to, to dive into the just in general, what we're talking about today, which is what we learned from spring football around the SEC. But why not focus on Alabama first, the defending national champions and defending SEC champions? And, um, you know, it, it was a it was a spring where, as you mentioned, John, not just at the A-Day game, but throughout the spring, some key guys missing. Just This is something that happens every spring at Alabama. Guys sort of recuperating from injuries that they had left over from last season, but definitely has been a spring where fans needed to get to know a lot of new names on this team that are going to be playing pretty significant roles next year. Matt, who were some of the guys that emerged from this spring as people that we're now sort of clearly keeping an eye on going into next season at Alabama? I'll say one of, one of the big ones where we'll start at most important position on the field, quarterback. And I, I think uh, one of the, the biggest takeaways uh, coming out of Saturday, first of all, was the, the first public showing, per first public appearance for Bryce Young is Alabama's QB1. And I, I think it's fair to say they did pretty well in that first public appearance and showed some flashes of what he had shown throughout the course of the spring. And it's just further confirmation that this is a, another really talented quarterback for Alabama. So in all, Alabama had three scrimmages this spring. In each of those three scrimmages, you saw flashes from Bryce Young based on uh, information that have gotten to go along with what saw during the spring game, flashes of just what made him such a, a highly ranked recruit and confirm that, that this is a really talented guy that should have Alabama in a good position moving forward into this season. So specifically with the spring game, was out there without, obviously, his top receiver and John Mechie, who, who missed the entire spring. The, there's an offensive line that they're working with. It's a work in progress at, at this point with 
three starters from last year now moving on. Emil Ekior, a, a returning starter, was out as well. But even with those things working against Bryce in the offense, he was still able to go out there and throw for 330 yards. You saw some plays like uh, the, the one two minutes into the scrimmage where it gives a little juke move to, to Byron Young uh, to create more time for himself in the pocket before scanning back to the other side of the field and finding Roydell Williams down the sideline for a 50-yard gain, just showing his creativity there. And then in the final couple minutes of the game, to, to go along with uh, the, the numbers that he put up, you saw him lead a, a game-winning field goal drive where on that drive through for 58 yards and got Alabama in position for – or the first-team offense in position for a game-winning field goal. So all in all, the spring game, the spring as a whole, it was solid, a positive – Bryce Young as he moves forward now as Alabama's first team quarterback. Yeah, and and I think another part of that, Matt, um, you know, in, in general, skill position guys, we know that we know that Alabama has recruited extremely well at those spots. We we didn't necessarily know who the next group of names were going to be to break through, and and we did start to see. Uh, at least one guy really seemed to to take advantage of a day. Yeah, well, a, a Jai Hall is obviously who you're talking about. Flash some during the course of that game at four catches, including a couple ones that Matt Scalise would not be capable of making. Uh, but I think that this freshman receiver group as a whole, you have four guys uh, who, who are ranked among the top ten receivers nationally in this year's recruiting class, and, and those guys are going to factor into the the competition for playing time and spots within this rotation. But uh, as a whole, with John Mechie out, you saw some other young guys who got additional opportunities, additional reps with the first-team offense compared to what would have been the case if John Mechie were healthy. And you saw some of those guys do some good things also, whether it was Javon Baker, who impressed behind the scenes last year and had touchdowns in each of the first two spring scrimmages. You saw Treshawn Holden on Saturday had nine catches and almost had a 10th with the one-handed grab that was ruled out of bounds that was almost a hell of a catch. So the, the competition of receiver is going to be really interesting, but Ajay Hall, who, who you brought up, is definitely one of the stars of that spring game and, and did some, some things that very much stuck out during the course of that game. It'll be interesting to see how he progresses moving forward now because he will have a shot to be a part of that receiver rotation, especially if he continues to make some catches like the ones he made on Saturday. John, anything just in general about about Alabama's spring that that strikes you as interesting or, or jumped out at you as the last few weeks have played out? Well, one, I'd like to hear Zenit say field goal again. I think that was the most popular <laughs> thing he said. Uh, Tim Kirchin would have approved of that pronunciation. Uh, but it sounds. We just let you just you just can't you can't suppress the Baltimore easing. I can't replicate it. It was bad. very Baltimore-ish. It was yeah. very Baltimore. It was beautiful. I'm gonna listen back to it. Later. Well, imitate it. Wait, what did it sound? Nah, like? I can't do it. Yeah, you gotta just do your own thing. Uh, can you do it? What? I can't. I can't do Baltimore. It's it's Maybe one of the strangest actors doing the Billy Joel voice. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, to get us back on track. Uh, well, I mean, 
I think a lot of people are talking about Will Riker, and I'm not concerned at all there. I mean, it was interesting to see him, you know, miss a bunch of field goals, but, you know, I don't think there's any real concern there. I mean, Zenon's mentioned Hall. I mean, I would say he performed strong enough that during spring game, I at one point stopped myself and Googled how to pronounce his first name because I was like, I'm going to be saying this guy's name a lot. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that's something that I think all of us are going to be talking about uh, this year. But, I mean, if you saw what I wrote over the weekend, my – Big picture look at spring games is that they don't really matter that much. And so I'm never going to react, you know, too over the top to anything that happens in a spring game. But I think all the points that that Matt made uh, make a lot of sense to me. And I think certainly, you know, Bryce Young is is the big talking point. And I think the only thing that I did find interesting, and I don't think it's, you know, it's a unique concern. I feel like every smaller quarterback, you know, has this uh, topic thrown around them. But, you know, Joey Galloway at one point during the broadcast, you know, brought up when I think Bryce, you know, struggled to find the guy during one of his throws, you know, wondering, you know, whether Bryce was able to see over his offensive lineman and whether that's going to be a struggle. And made a point multiple times, basically say he's not as tall as his listed. Uh, I think he's six foot on the roster. He's not six foot. So, you know, that's something that I think will be interesting to watch. Obviously, we've talked about that plenty in the past of Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and Drew Brees and all these short quarterbacks. But you know, if you have a bunch of really big guys, uh, be interesting to see how that impacts Bryce, you know, especially his first year as the starting quarterback. I'll throw two more things out there that you were, didn't really see during during the spring game. One with, with Bryce. So one of the strengths of his game is his mobility and, and a guy who's very much a, a dual threat quarterback back there. And that, that was something while you saw him throw for the 333 yards, he, he didn't do much as a runner. That That's something that's very much a strength of his game and will make – him and that Alabama offense even more dangerous moving forward. And that's something they probably get a better feel for come the season. But a part of his game that it's just worth keeping in mind, this is a guy who can do some things as a, a, a runner and uh, just didn't get a chance to see that much during the, the course of the spring game. And then to go along with that, obviously Alabama had a decent amount of guys out and didn't play in the spring game, including – uh, arguably the, the top two players on the defense and Will Anderson and Christian Harris. And while the defense wasn't bad on Saturday by any means, uh, which you saw behind the scenes based on what we've heard in the first few scrimmages and throughout the course of the spring, it was just how great this defense looked. And it, it was harder to get a feel for that without Will Anderson and Christian Harris in there. But one thing I, I can say just based on, what I've heard about the spring as a whole, this defense is in really good shape moving forward into the season. And th those two guys uh, that, that I was talking about that, that didn't play in Will Anderson and Christian Harris seemed like they're primed for really big years and were a couple of the, the defensive players that really led the way and stood out throughout the course of the spring to go along with players like Chris Allen to, to go along with that. I, I do think, you know, and, and look, I, I realize this is never the top priority for anybody, but it is something that fans talk about a lot. Quarterback, I think the, the starting quarterback question is, is certainly answered at this point, but quarterback depth is an issue. I mean, we've seen it come up in years past. It's one of the only things that can stop Alabama uh, when they're when they're sort of stacked at most other positions. And we saw that in 2019, arguably. Uh, the thing that sort of derailed Alabama's season towards the end there was they didn't have uh, they, they they couldn't they couldn't you know replicate their offensive success going from one to two at the quarterback position at the time. So 
my my question for you guys coming out of this so far is 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 that something worth being scared about if you're Alabama at this point? Is how do you feel about their quarterback depth situation right now? It's a big question mark. I mean, to me, I think you know the two things with that. One, you know, as of right now, Paul Tyson is the number two, and you know, if something you know happens to Bryce in which he's not able to play, and you have to start. Paul Tyson, you know, no offense to Paul Tyson, but that's a pretty big downgrade. Um, I think that something that we've thought for a while, I think if you watch the spring game, you know, Paul Tyson has all the physical attributes that you would, you would want in a quarterback, you know, it's kind of looks more like Mac Jones too, but you know, just, I didn't really see the performance there. And I don't think, you know, we've ever really seen it. Um, you know, the interesting thing, and he didn't end up playing with, you know, Jalen Milrow, you know, I think is the guy who, if he's able to beat out Paul Tyson to be your backup, I think you probably feel better about it. Uh, I certainly think it was interesting that throughout the broadcast, you know, Kirk Herbstreet was definitely hyping up Jalen Milrow. Um, and, you know, Herbstreet's obviously very well, very plugged into the Alabama, uh, you know, program to begin with. And so, you know, I think that's, that's if you want to take away something from that, I think, you know, that means they feel good about Milrow. And we've certainly heard those things too. Came in with a good amount of, uh, hype as well. Not Bryce Young hype, but certainly well regarded. So, you know, that that's kind of what, you know, I think if you're an Alabama fan, you're almost hoping Jalen Milrow beats out Paul Tyson because you should probably feel a little bit better about it. Hey, a couple of things to, to follow up on that. So first of all, with the, the quarterback competition as a whole, because um, I obviously it's not like Saban his outright named Bryce Young, the, the starter, but he, he's gone as far as I've ever heard him go when there's a competition going on in terms of essentially hinting like this is our guy or this is who we're planning on going with, which should tell you when he throws out like this is our quarterback, even though he adds in for now, when he throws out this is our quarterback for now, it, it should tell you that there's a, a decent amount of separation between that quarterback and everybody else. But I think the the more interesting competition and John touched on this some, is the, the competition for that, that second team quarterback job, the, the backup quarterback job. And the, the thing that I'll add on about Jalen Milrow, so as should be expected with a, a freshman quarterback who's only been on campus for a couple of months, the, the first scrimmage uh, you saw someone who experienced some growing pains and got sacked, I, I don't know, it sounded like maybe double-digit times during the course of that scrimmage and struggled a little bit. But what you saw from scrimmage one to scrimmage two was a lot of growth. And he did some things during the course of that second scrimmage that sounds like very much stuck out, both as a runner, as a passer, had a a long touchdown pass, like a 50-ish yard touchdown pass or whatever it was to walk on receiver, Josh Lanier. And uh, you could see not only growth, but just some of the ability that made him, let's not forget, a, a top 100, top 80 overall recruit nationally and one of the, the top-ranked quarterbacks in this year's freshman class. Interesting stuff. Definitely will be an ongoing question, I think, for Alabama just going into the fall, re- regardless of how uh, excited everybody gets about Bryce Young. Let's let's move over to the other side of the state and talk about Auburn's spring game. I would say uh, – in general, this spring, you know, not not a ton of not a ton of explosive news or headlines out of Auburn this spring. They're they're keeping things fairly quiet over there. I think I think in general, um, everybody kind of knows basically what this team is going to look like in the fall, and the 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 hope seems to be more: will this coaching staff be able to take advantage of 
the talent that they have in a way that is more effective than what Malzahn and his staff was able to do. We know what the quarterback situation looks like. We know Tank Bigsby is going to be a really strong running back. Um, you know, we know that this is a defense that has a lot of strong talent returning, but I guess, John, what, what, what else have we learned from Auburn this spring that we didn't already know, I guess, going in? Yeah, I don't know if there's been a ton of major takeaways. I mean, I think if you look, you know, big picture, look at the entire spring, I think some of the, the things that, you know, stand out to me, one, it's just, you know, the changes in offense, you know, I think you saw it in the spring game, you know, Bo, Bo Nix lining up under center, you know, we never saw him do that uh, under Malzahn. So there's, you know, and Mike Bobo, the new offensive coordinator has talked about, you know, they're going to do that. some. it's going to be a different approach offensively than what we saw under Gus. So I mean, that in itself was unique. I think, you know, something that I know, you know, Zenitz has hit on multiple times. We've talked about this, you know, the receiver position, you know, they're losing a lot of guys. Uh, you know, we're doing a road to the pro series on Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, and then, you know, obviously Eli Stowe, their three, you know, top receivers last year, and they're all gone. And so that was something that I was certainly, you know, paying close attention to during the spring game. You know, Elijah Canyon had the the best performance out of any of the receivers. Um, you know, had a touchdown. I think he had six catches or so. But they're going to need more than that. And, you know, it's going to be guys like Malcolm Johnson and, you know, maybe Kaylin Newton. I mean, there's all kinds of different names there potentially, uh, you know, looked like they wanted to utilize the tight end a little bit more. You know, Jake Fromm's little brother, Luke, had a, you know, I think a catch or two during the spring game. And I think that maybe delighted some fans who have for years, you know, wondered whether Gus was ever going to actually use their tight ends that they signed. So, you know, I think the big things were offensively. Um, defense looked strong. I think we knew that was going to be the case. Uh, we've talked about in the show in the past how great of a hire Derek Mason was. I think he's going to do a really good job. There's plenty of talent back there. So, you know, I think for both Alabama and Auburn, the questions have been more about offense this you know, this spring. And I think those questions, you know, remain. I think we still are wondering who are going to be the receivers who step up. We're still wondering, you know, how are they going to elevate Bo Nix's play? And, you know, I think the other one is just how did they utilize Tank Bigsby because he's certainly has shown an ability to to be the focal point of that offense, to, to handle more carries than he got last year. And so just finding a way to balance that with the passing game will be important. Yeah, a couple of things also. Ahead, so for me, coming out of the, the spring game, we got confirmation on a, a couple of things. First of all, Tank Bigsby is still really good. First touchdown of the game, a 45-yard Tank Bigsby touchdown run. And then something else we got confirmation of, and I, I know John touched on it some, got confirmation that this offense is going to look a little bit different. So I have to essentially repeat what the aforementioned Anthony Schwartz threw out during the course of that game. He, he had a tweet early on about the first play. So what was the, the first play of that game? Uh, it, it was uh, prefaced by a huddle, and, and then that huddle was followed by Bo Nix going under center and throwing to a tight end. So Anthony Schwartz laid out those three things with the, the message beneath it, something along the lines of this offense is going to be different or this is a different offense. So that, that was something for me also, not only coming out of that individual play, but out of the game as a whole, that we're going to be, be seeing some differences offensively from a, a philosophy standpoint compared to what we saw under Gus. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard. I, I'll say this. It's, it's been tough for me to get a read on what the philosophy differences are so far. Um, and obviously I'm not on the inside of the program, so I can't, I don't see what's changed internally. We know we do hear that from, from some of the players. I know X's and O's wise, the offense is going to look different. They, they always do. Um, 
But, you know, I, I think it will be tough to really get a feel for, for how much this program will change under Harson until we get a few games in. My, uh, my, my old coworker, Travis Ryer from Bama Online, used to, used to tell me the, the first game of your, of your tenure as a head coach at an SEC school is the first loss. And that's where you really learn how the fan base feels about you and, and, uh, and how your, your team feels about you. And I, I think we'll learn a lot. I mean, look, unless, unless Harson shocks us all and goes undefeated this fall, Auburn will have a loss at some point, and we'll learn a lot about how Harson reacts to it, how the team responds after that loss. I think that will be a very instructive moment to us. But, you know, I, it's, it's tough for me to look at the schedule. I, I don't know that we're going to get an early – test that really tells us a whole lot about what this program is going to be made of. I mean, Penn State to me would be the first big one. Yeah. I, and I mean, who knows, who knows how much we can take from last season. Penn State obviously was not a good football team last fall, um, but it was a weird season. So who knows? I mean, they, they yeah, I mean, looking at the, the schedule, you've got game three is at Penn State. So that I mean, that's a big test. I mean, I don't know. Zenith, you've probably been to Happy Valley. I mean, it's, it's quite the football experience. It's probably the Big Ten experience, I think, most rivals the SEC. It's going to be loud, and there's going to be – I mean, assuming that we have normal crowds, that's going to be a tough environment to walk into. That's and true, then, yeah. Uh, week five at LSU, that's tough. And, and Even I'll, LSU was not good last year, that's still right. a very tough environment. I mean, they, night game, were, first night game in Baton Rouge, oof, it's tough for Arsenal. LSU was a different team at the end of the season than they were uh, for most of that season, so – I think they showed some promise. And I'll, I'll say this about Penn State, too. Um, as you mentioned, the crowd there, John, I mean, what's the, what's one of the main things about Bo Nix that he hasn't really been able to shake about himself? Has a tough time on in road environments. He, he, he is sort of notorious for that at this point. Um, that will certainly be a tough road environment, regardless of, of what the, the team on the field looks like. Uh, Let's take a look just real quickly at the rest of the league. There was a ton of spring games this weekend. Um, Anything else really jump out at you guys? Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, Two things uh, immediately come to mind. First of all, speaking of LSU, I think LSU is in position where you're going to see a team that's a a lot more competitive, a lot more dangerous than what you saw a lot of last year. Have a couple guys leading the way in terms of that quarterback competition who flashed during the the course of their spring game. Miles Brandon, who opened the the year as the, the starter last year before suffering an injury, saw him do pretty well. He was something like 11 for 15, had at least one touchdown pass. And then I, I think the primary competition for him at this point looks to be Max Johnson, who that, that end of the year run that you were talking about, Matt, he, he was the quarterback for that and really closed out the year very strong, son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson. And he had a couple of touchdowns during that spring game also. And one of the, the good things for, for that team is there were a lot of guys specifically along the offensive line and defensive front that had a chance to move on to the next level that ultimately decided to come back to school that has them in a, a much better position than what would have been the case if those guys had, had moved on. So I know there's a, a lot of optimism with that program and, and you saw some of the, the, the guys for them who are going to help lead the way uh, and have contributed to that optimism, like the, the Keishon Boutes of the world who went out there and, had a, a nice 40-yard touchdown catcher in that spring game and going to be part of a, a receiver group that um, 
seems to be in position to be pretty good, including guys like John Trey Kirkland, who was one of the, the stars overall across the, the SEC in terms of spring games, had something like 15 catches for 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns. The, the other thing that immediately came to mind in terms of a, a takeaway, Georgia is going to be dangerous. So wait, when you think of Georgia, um, I, I think of that end of the year run for them after JT Daniels took over as quarterback. And I think it's fair to expect going into this year that, that JT is going to be in a position where he could be even better, not only because of the experience that he got last year, but being further removed from his 2019 knee injury. And he definitely looked apart on, on Saturday through for 325 yards, had a couple of touchdowns. Obviously it hurts losing George Pickens to a, a knee injury, but there's still a good amount of talent in that receiver group. And something that will very much help him is they're really deep at running back, including with a, a couple guys in Zamir White, James Cook, that could have turned pro, came back to school, contributes to them having a, a really loaded running back room which obviously will take some pressure off of JT and the passing game. And one of the, the big questions with, with Georgia going into this year, be defensively just considering some of the guys that they lost, but that there are some, some talented players set to step in, including Quay Walker, um, who, who was a big Alabama target coming out of, of high school, has played some in the past at, at Georgia, but he was somebody who would, was one of the standouts defensively during that, that Georgia spring game. And I think finished with a, a game high eight tackles and definitely stood out during that game. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add one quick note here about Georgia. I mean, I think the performance that you saw in spring game and, you know, what Matt was mentioning about JT Daniels, I think this a big topic, I think, for this, you know, lead up to the season and during the season is that this is a make or break year for Kirby Smart. Now, that sounds crazy, but I don't know if he's going to have a better team. And I don't know if you know, some of the deficiencies and question marks that Alabama has. This just feels like the year that Georgia has to make that jump. They've gotten very close, probably should have won a national championship a few years ago. But, you know, JT Daniels gives them, you know, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the SEC. You know, Matt mentioned all the other things that are going well for them. It's year two of Todd Munkin, who I think is a great offensive coordinator. So this is a big year for Georgia. And I think it starts with JT. And I think watching that spring game makes you very optimistic. But, you know, they're going to have to deliver this year, in my opinion, because Florida, I think, is down as well. John, I got one more I want to ask you about, uh, and, and it's a it's a program you know a lot about. You've covered them in your past, um, but I've noticed that Mississippi State is surprisingly getting a ton of hype heading into next season. I know some of this is built around ESPN and their their FPI ranking system that they do, but just in general, seems like a lot of optimism about Mississippi State, and I'm surprised by it because I look back at last season. I don't see a lot that I would feel particularly optimistic about. Where, am I missing something here? If our colleague Michael Casagrande was here, he would just refer to all the FBI people as a bunch of nerds. Um, because, <laughs> you know, I'm not seeing it. I'm, I don't want to be, you know, the hardcore football guy here and eye test at all. But I agree with you. I don't, from watching a good amount of Mississippi State last year, I don't see them as a top 10 team, which I believe the ESPN's FBI, I think they had them like eight or so, right? Um, you know, I think they had them as one of the top three or so in the SEC. I'm not seeing that. Now, I think that last year was a unique year. COVID had an impact on a lot of different programs. They had the Kylan Hill drama. You know, they now have some, some quarterbacks in place who are probably better suited to do, you know, what I think uh, Mike Leach wants. But to me, 
you know, just big picture wise, it feels like a middle of the pack SEC team. I'm not seeing top 10. I could be surprised at the end of the year, you know, the nerds at ESPN can be pointing out to us that they were right, but I just don't see it. Um, and I just, you know, Sometimes, listen, I like using analytics. I think there's value in them. But sometimes you just have to be like, this doesn't make sense. And to me, having Mississippi State that highly regarded just doesn't make sense to me. No, I, well, I'm glad it's not just me. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, this is what I'll say about that. There are seven teams in the, the SEC West. There, there's teams, Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State. If we were – if those teams were, were set to play this weekend or you had matchups set up for Mississippi State against each of those teams, they, there is not one team that I would feel comfortable betting on Mississippi State to beat. And if it came down to a head-to-head matchup, I, I would be betting on each of those other six teams in a head-to-head matchup against Mississippi State just based on not only what we saw last year, but just based on what my expectation is for them going into this year. And in terms of hyping up a team from Mississippi, Mississippi, I, I think – uh, whoever is doing the hyping is hyping up the, the wrong Mississippi team. If you want to hype up a team from Mississippi, you should be focusing on the, the one in Oxford who obviously did some really good things last year and brings back some of the, the core pieces from that team, including, uh, most importantly, the, the quarterback, Matt Corral, who was one of the best quarterbacks not only in the SEC last year, but you can make a strong case that was one of the, the best quarterbacks overall in the country. And you would think that there would be continued growth from them, especially since not only were they able to keep some guys like Matt Corral, but from a staff standpoint, you keep offense coordinator Jeff Levy, who was rumored for some other jobs. It was a win for them to be able to keep him on staff. That would be the team for me that I, I would more spotlight or identify a, as being deserving of hyping if you were talking about teams from, from Mississippi. Not to, men- not, not to mention, I mean, look, recruiting is always going to be an issue in the SEC. It's always going to be a big determining factor. And when it comes to Mike Leach so far, I mean, look, he's not a guy with a history as a great recruiter. That's continuing so far. He, he, he finished last in the SEC West in, in the recruiting rankings in, in uh, this past February's class. So it's always going to be a little bit of an uphill battle at Mississippi State. And, and I don't know that Mike Leach is going to help with that in terms of attracting talent to the campus, it's it's going to have to be something they overcome by just having the right group of guys and executing that offense absolutely perfectly. And I just would be surprised if they're able to make that transition that quickly uh, in, into just completely mastering Mike Leach's offense that fast. No, but I will say year two, I think, is very important because year one obviously didn't go that well. If you look at Mike Leach's track record, year one never goes super well. There's always a big kind of transition phase. Sure. So- Year two is important. You know, if they win eight or nine games this year, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about Mississippi State much differently, and then there's momentum, and then you can kind of start building off of that. Um, but I agree with Matt. Um, excited. I don't know if you noticed Grove Bowl coming up this weekend. Uh, excited to watch that. We get a little more spring games uh, this weekend, um, and I'm excited about what Ole Miss. I think uh, as of right now, what kind of where they're at. I feel I feel like they have chance to knock off some teams this year. Big, big potential to disrupt in the SEC for Ole Miss this year. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting year, and I'm sure we'll talk about this all offseason, but it's a year where, I mean, yes, Alabama's still there, Georgia's still there, they're doing what they're doing, but there's a lot. There's been a lot of turnover. There's been a lot of transition happening around the league, and that's an opportunity for some programs that are 
maybe usually at the bottom of the pecking order to possibly upset that and disrupt that a little bit. So chaos always leads to to some fun surprises in this league. So we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that all off season. But guys, uh, been a, been an interesting spring so far. We'll we'll start digging into the the real depths of the off season next week and and uh, looking ahead to the season. Maybe looking back over over recent years in the SEC and talking about some of the bigger issues that are going on around this league. So thanks NFL for draft next week. That's right. NFL draft too. Well, so, so we, we've at least got one major sporting event uh, to, to get us through another week of the off season. So there's always something. So yeah, we'll be back next week to preview that. And uh, well, John guys, gave you a, a perfect pay to throw out endorsement for, for your guy, Wes and the work he's doing. Yeah. You almost blew John's uh, assist chip now. <laughs> Man, you guys are you guys are killing me on this. But yes, everybody, if you haven't watched Road to the Pros yet, please go and do so. You can find it on this channel wherever you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we have the first two episodes out of the series on Najee Harris, which is just absolutely outstanding work from our friend Wes Siner. Uh, one of the best interviews with a college athlete that I think you will ever see. Uh, go go and check it out, and uh, we'll be getting. Another episode of, of our series on Anthony Schwartz as well uh, coming tomorrow uh, on our Auburn channel. So definitely go check out Road to the Pros and uh, join us again next week here on First Down South.